Welcome back to the Sully Scoop for three lifelong Husker pros dive in depth on all surrounding the new era of Husker football, where our cups never run dry of the roulade under head coach Matt Rule, made by fans for fans with J Cell, B Cell, and T Cell. Very sad news coming out of Lincoln, Nebraska. Dylan Rayola has officially declared to go to Georgia with a verbal commitment. And I mean, as a Husker fan, there's nothing more you could say but just sad. Yeah, it's definitely a sad day in Lincoln to find out that Dylan is not going to be joining this Huskers team. But let's face it, guys. I think Matt Rule's out here playing the long game. He is all in on Dayton Rayola. In the 2026 class, coming out, another legacy kid. And I think it's just going to it's gonna evolve into one of those situations similar to uh, Archie's family, where he had uh, Peyton decide to go to Tennessee, and then Eli followed in his footsteps to his alma mater. And I think that's what we're going to have with the Rayola kids. Yeah, well, I couldn't agree more with you. And B-Saw, I definitely hope you're right. I hope that Dayton comes because... He's clearly coming from a talented family, and he's just another recruit that you just love to have on your roster. But when I look at Dylan Rayola, it's just simple for me. Like He went to Georgia because if he came to Nebraska, there's so much pressure on him, and that's just tough to do as an 18-, 19-year-old freshman, true freshman that everyone expects to be the hero. You're not going to be redshirted. You're going to be the guy from day one. And I don't think that he's ready for that. He's got the talent to do that. Don't get me wrong. But when he signed to go to Georgia, Georgia's won the last two national championships. They're not looking to start a true freshman at quarterback because that'll guarantee that they're not winning any championships this year or probably next year. They got a five-star guy who signed in 2021. That guy's your quarterback for probably the next two or three years at Georgia. And for me... It would be the perfect storm for Dylan to go there for one year, learn the ropes, redshirt, learn the Georgia program, transfer to Nebraska like all the other Georgia Bulldogs that did, and get things rolling from there. I mean, I definitely don't know if I see that one coming there, Tiso. But then again, Bissell, I don't know if he's here for the long haul, and that is in Matt Rule. I mean, he's came out and said he wants to be here for the long haul. He wants to be in Lincoln, raise his kids in Lincoln. However, he has not stuck around at a place longer than three years. We saw it at Temple. We saw it at Baylor. And, hell, he didn't even get three years with Carolina. So I don't know if he's going to be here for three years looking to bring no, in No, I don't think that's fair, Jason. I don't know if he's going to be here for three years trying to bring in Dayton, but I'll tell you what, it almost looked like not selling out for Dylan Rayola was almost telling me that he isn't going to be here for the next four, but you want to know what he will be here for? The next two under Jeff Sims. I agree. I am 100% in on Sims, especially with Casey transferring out. You get rid of that quarterback battle. Jeff's the guy. He's a quarterback who can make the throws, make guys miss, and He's durable. He's a big guy, and especially with this offensive line that we've had the last couple of years, it's important to have a guy who's going to be durable behind them. Well, so think about this. You guys both raised a great point here, okay? Think about this, all right? Jeff Sims would have never had a chance on our roster if Dylan Rayola committed because us as fans, we know Dylan Rayola— I don't think that's fair. Jeff Sims still would have had to been our starting quarterback this year— Dylan wasn't coming until 2024, so Sims has a year to go out and prove that he's the guy. So even if Dylan came in, you would have had Sims for this year 
and the following year if he had proven that he is your guy after year one. But, but then you're almost looking at what he I see Dylan Rayola going to Georgia and doing, and I see him leaving if he is not the starter year one, wherever program he goes. He's the number about, one if player. If you're talking about guys transferring out if they're not the starter year one, heck, why even wait for Dylan Rayola? Archie Manning's going to be transferring out because Texas has said Quinn Ewers is the guy. So why are we not selling out? For this Manning kid, I another he guy goes by Arch Manning. Doesn't matter. It's another guy with a bloodline who is a football player. He is a football guy, and that is somebody that we should be looking into as well. Bissell, you're not wrong. You should be looking at every top-rated talent, especially a quarterback. I mean, this is the University of Nebraska. You're Big Ten. It doesn't get bigger than the Big Ten. Okay. You got to go after all these guys. You got the money, throw it at them. But you guys are are turning away from the the pressure that Sims would have had had Rayola come to town. I mean, think about this. I don't really believe that Jeff Sims would have been given an opportunity. I think the coaches would have gave him that opportunity. But us as fans, we know Rayola's the number one guy in the country. We know at that point if he signed here, he's the future. So if Jeff if Jeff Sims comes out and throws a pick. Guess who's on his case? Not the coaches, the fans. The fans will turn on him because they know who's sitting on the bench. He would be a distraction. And ultimately, it might be a blessing in disguise for Rule, who's trying to build this back up. But I don't think it needed to be the number one quarterback for it to be a distraction, T-Sol. You're the same guy who last year, when Casey would throw a pick, you were cheering to get Chubba Purdue. No, 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 no. That was Chase, that is a guy I want to never see on the football field again, or his brother, who was nothing more than mediocre. Let me tell you, he came in with a lot of potential. You know, I was riding with the guy when I saw Casey Thompson, you know, throwing some interceptions. Casey Thompson was sitting on the bench at Texas. The only reason he was putting up stats at Texas was because of Xavier Worthy. I'm going to do yourself a favor. Go look up Xavier Worthy highlights. You will not be depressed by watching those. Because let me tell you, every single Casey Thompson throw in those highlights goes to worthy and you want to know what coming to Lincoln he ended up getting a a little gift of his own he had a Trey Palmer and that's what made him special at Lincoln and honestly what made him stand out because he had one fast receiver but I think that in all honesty we see Casey's transfer now now it's because he's not that good of a quarterback and you know who's sticking to be the backup he could be the savior if Sims goes down well Jason I believe you're wrong again there's no way that Chubba Purdy's going to be the savior. And I mean, right now, if you look at our lad's site, they got him listed third because Henrik Harburg jumped ahead of him on the depth chart. But the guy the guy that Nebraska but, actually... Hold up. I see he jumped ahead of him. But I would go like to go back and look at all of their playing time. Who has more experience there as a player for Lincoln, for any team in college football? Who has more snaps playing quarterback? Those snaps ended up with the football in the other team's hands, Jason. Wasn't the other team? Out. It wasn't the other team's hand. I believe he just ended up giving them a touchdown, or a safety, or any of that nonsense because they didn't put him in a position to be successful. I'll give you that. However, Harburg is a hell of a lot better athlete than Chubba Purdy is, and he's a guy who will see meaningful snaps this year. And you heard it here first. He is a guy who is going to be out there on the field a lot more than we saw a backup quarterback last year. Do you think he's going to be out there taking snaps at quarterback? 
I think it'll be some sort of a wildcat situation and maybe trick plays, but he could see a lot of looks at tight end as well, even though we're pretty deep at that position. Well, I don't even see him coming out of tight end. I mean, we got a five-star in uh, Eric Gilbert coming from Georgia. I got to say, I didn't see that in the spring game. But then we also have Thomas Fedone. And, and Thomas Fedone is a special player. I mean, we've seen the highlights. It almost looks like him and Sims are already on clicking on all cylinders right now. But let me tell you something. There is no way that you're going to bring out Harburg, Hen- Henrik Harburg, to play a Wildcat snap at a quarterback when you have Jeff Sims back there. That guy is a beast, and he's got the speed to do it. Well, you guys you guys are arguing a lot about the offense and who we got and who we don't got. Look, the offense isn't going to be the problem because we got Billy Kemp, who's going to be a playmaker this season. We all saw that very clearly in the spring game. We know who Marcus Washington is. He's going to be Mr. Reliable out there. When you have a third and long and Billy, Sim, or Billy Kemp is completely covered, Marcus Washington's going to be your go-to. And then the unknown potential of Xavier Betts. I mean... Our offense has the potential to fly. Eric Gilbert and uh, Thomas Fedona, as Jason just mentioned, also have potential through the roof. Offensive line, we're going to skip right over the offensive line because we don't like to talk about it. We don't like to think about it. Now, I don't think that's fair to skip right over the offensive line. You've got three guys who are transferring in here who can just revamp the entire offensive line. Bisa, I feel like I've been told for the last six years that this guy coming in is going to revamp the line. This guy's coming in. And I see the same play. But you are talking about guys that are coming in that are actually going to give us size on the offensive line. That are going to come in and play meaningful snaps. Ben Scott is going to be huge. You are going to have a center that does not screw up. You're going to have a center who has decent size, who can pull, who can run block, who can pass block. It is going to be fantastic to have a center who knows how to play. I don't know if we're going to get a center that doesn't screw up or doesn't do any of this. We're going to have a center that, you know, has had snaps in college football. You got that right. But he is coming from a terrible program in Arizona State. I don't know how this guy can go out there after just watching his coach get fired, come to a new program where their coach just got fired. Guess what? Because that was the only opportunity that this man was going to be given. It's almost like they pulled a... Deion Sanders down at Arizona State telling all these guys, you're done. I'm bringing my bags, and they're Gucci. Yeah, b and I mean, looking at this depth chart, like, I agree with you. Ben Scott's going to be an upgrade from whoever our center was last year. I don't even want to think about who our center was last year. But when I look at the depth chart, we still have Bryce Benhart listed as the starter. Not going to start. You're going to have Jacob Hood once he gets cleared to play. He he better be because this Jacob Hood guy is transferring in from Georgia, and I want to see more transfers from Georgia, just like our buddy Dylan Rayola. But Turner Corcoran, the guy who was the highest-rated recruit out of Kansas, and we still have yet to see that potential from Turner Corcoran. And don't even get it stopped there. What is up with Teddy Prochaska? I could name every single offensive lineman, and I can guarantee you one thing. They suck. They just straight up suck, and they're the reason that the Huskers have been terrible these past few years, and it's all coming down to the offensive line. The game is won in the trenches, and that is called Big Ten football. But that's my point, Jason. As bad as the offensive line has been, the defense has been even worse. Some games you see potential out of this guy or that guy, and then other games it's like 
it, you may as well just not ran anyone out on the field and just said, hey, we're going to give you a touchdown on your next drive. Give us the ball back. Because, see, T, T Cell, that's where, I, that's where I differ from you. I don't think that it's our defense was that bad. Our defense was just on the field that much more. And giving up 50 points a game? Because they're on the field. Guess what? We might go score a touchdown, but when it takes two minutes to score a touchdown, next thing you know, our defense is back out there. That's why our defense will be on the field for 40 minutes a game. You can't do that and be expecting to win a game or hold teams. At a certain point, your defense will break down. But that's that's what I'm getting at, Jay. So like the defense breaks no, down, but I didn't see any plays at the beginning T. of the game. T. So that's not what you were saying. You were saying that this defense was terrible, and this defense was the reason they were losing the games. I am flat out coming here and telling you, no, it is on the offensive Georgia line. Southern. Tell me how the defense played against Georgia Southern because they were out there for every single other play. Listen, it comes down. They were to out the there for two seconds, giving up a touchdown, and then jogged back off the field because they're. Sh- they were just tired. What can you tell them? I mean, they yeah, were they, on, they were tired. Tell go them? look at go look at the time of possession. Points. It was forty-five points to Georgia Southern. Open up the time of possession there, T. Cell. Why don't you read that one to me? Because let me tell you something. Your defense. We scored forty-two points. You will never win a game if your defense is out on the field for the entire game or more. If you win the time of possession, you've already set yourself up for success. And listen, that comes down to the offensive line being able to get a push and get your running back down the field to pick up a first down and keep that clock running you all you got to do is move the chains i don't care how fast you score as long as you score and hold on to the ball now jason i'm going to follow this up here i agree with you the defense was not the only problem they were just a big problem however one of the bigger issues on a lot of these losses that we can chalk it up to is the fact that we had brody belt playing meaningful no snaps. there is no he, reason he didn't see the field that often he he did <laughs> I beg to differ. I he would play more, Robinson more than Brody Bell. More minutes in that Georgia Southern game than half of the starters because Scott Frost bet him money that he would be out there. Scott Frost took him to dinner after the game and said, Hey, Brody, you did great. You're my favorite player. Guess what? He's my least favorite player. Well, guess what? I'm a, at least Scott Frost is probably taking somebody out because guess what? He might have had the best game. That's what happens when you're on a three and nine squad and then a four and eight squad. Scott Frost was the problem, and guess what? Under Matt Rule, this offensive line better be revamped because I'm going to say it once again: games are won and lost in the trenches, in the trenches, and it is the old Nebraska way. Yeah, Jay saw, and so I'm looking at this depth chart for the defense, and I already see three new starters for the defensive line. I see Princewell, Yamanolin. If I pronounce that correctly, I have no idea, but he's a true freshman coming in, and he's listed as one of the starting DNs. And then Cameron Lenhart is also a true freshman coming in, listed as a starting D tackle. And then MJ Sherman, the big transfer from Georgia that we're expecting big things out of, is listed as the starting outside blitzing linebacker. So we're talking three starting guys and Ty Robinson. And Ty Robinson's listed there because he's got the world of potential. But we just see it one play out of the game. And Ty, if you're listening, man, we know that you got the potential in you. You just got to put it forth every play because 
You could be Nandamakin Sue if you wanted to be. No, whoa, that's just whoa, that's just whoa, preposterous. Whoa. Ty Robinson, you if if you are listening, look, you can you can listen to T Cell over here and get your hopes up. Let me tell you something. I'm gonna snap you back to reality. I haven't seen anything from you. You got lucky to even be on the field for a four and eight squad. And let me tell you something. You were most of the reason they lost that game. I didn't even see you running for the ball. I didn't see you making tackles. Think about the Iowa game. He's the guy who laid the hit on the quarterback and knocked him out. That's the potential that he has. That's the potential that he has. Okay, I don't know why we're arguing about a nose tackle who's not going to make any tackles this season. Well, B-Cell, the point being that we need to see much improvement on our defense, and it started with the defensive line, and then it was the fact that the linebackers didn't back up the defensive line. Because I look at this, I believe our DBs is going to be the star point of our defense. It's gonna, That's going to be where the stars are. you got Hartzog, who's listed as one of the top 50 DBs coming back to this season. That's huge to have him. We know Quentin Newsome is, is Mr. Reliable out there. So, you know, he's going to be a senior. He knows what he's doing out there. You can trust him. Mark Marquez Buford Jr., that guy is a monster. And when he went down injured or when he got knocked out for a BS targeting call in some of those games, that you could just tell that our offense or our defense just completely changed. And, and I actually see Omar Brown starting this year. He's the guy that I've been hearing about where he's been – the DB who hasn't played at all, who had the most potential last season. So now he's finally getting his chance, it looks like. Well, let me just hop in here. I want to tell you guys what the best defense any football team could have. But first, let me give a little shout-out to our man Tommy Hill. He moved back to defense. I mean, this guy might see the field once again. Who knows? He might go to defense. He might go back to offense again. But he is back playing corner for us. He probably won't see the field again. But that's all right. You know what's the best defense you need? An offense that doesn't give the other team's offense the ball. That is an offense that holds on to the ball, runs the clock, and wastes everything, tiring out the other team and not giving the other team an opportunity to score. Yes, Jay Soul, but, I mean, you're, you're plugging holes with bubble gum at that point. You still need a reliable defense who can get off the field on their own and not just rely on the offense to score and hold the ball for 20 minutes. You're talking about Illinois, and that's why Illinois fell apart at the end of the season and people didn't see it coming. Well, it's because they had one of the top defenses listed in the country. But if you actually watched an Illinois game, they ran the ball all day long, and their offense held the ball like it was like 15 minutes to three minutes was the difference with their offense. And so their defense was hardly on the field. And so they looked like one of the best defenses in the country when really it was a bunch of flaws. Like I said, you're holding up a dam with bubble gum. What happened there in Lincoln for the Huskers against Illinois? What happened in Illinois two years ago for the Huskers against Illinois? Let me tell you something. If Brett Bielema runs Big Ten football, that's how the games are won. Go look at what no, Michigan we don't, is doing. We don't need to listen to this Brett Bielema talk again. It's the same thing that Jim Harbaugh is doing. The only team that doesn't do it, even P.J. Fleck is trying to do it up at Minnesota. That is why Minnesota has had our number for the past few years. Even at old Wisconsin, that was Wisconsin's whole mantra. The only team in the Big Ten that does not naturally do that is Ohio State. I just would like to circle back here for a quick second. Tiesel, why is the point on the defense you're trying to make that our DBs are good? Listen, we're returning starters on defense in the secondary. That's great. However, every single one of them got burned 
significantly last year because the front seven was awful. That's what I'm saying. The front seven was so bad, you can't sit But you're out talking there. about these guys that are transferring in like it's going to be a plug-and-play. Hey, we're back. We're winning. The way- I don't see any of these guys plugging in and all of a sudden being a game-changer that there's going to be constant pressure on the quarterback. I think MJ Sherman is easily going to be a game-changer. I expect a Huge year out of this guy. And are we going to get, gonna get that T-Cell stamp of approval? We are. Like we we are. Did. I called Garrett Nelson, and Garrett <laughs> Nelson was the best player on the defense. You also and I'm called Sean t- oh, Mathis. And he you, mean, was, you mean no-show Mathis? Hold on a second. He still got drafted. There's still credit points to be handed out there. He got drafted because of what he did at TCU in the Big 12, not because of what he did hey, at Nebraska. that's participation points, and I'll claim them. Yeah, that's as much participation as you can get because that's Big 12 defense. There is none. I would be a standout defensive player in the Big 12. But what I'm getting at, MJ Sherman is getting the T-Cell stamp of approval. He's going to be the big-time playmaker on the defense this year. I'm expecting... Him to be in the backfield, sacking the quarterback many times this year, forcing fumbles. He's going to be the guy to watch on our defense. See, Tiesel, I expect this defensive front seven to really spend a lot of time rotating to keep people fresh. I think this is the deepest we have seen the D-line and linebackers in years. That I expect them to continue to rotate them, get some of these transfers the opportunity to play, and maybe you ride the hot hand, maybe you don't. But I wholeheartedly expect them to just rotate on the defensive line throughout the game. Yeah, but I think there's going to just be a huge difference when MJ Sherman's on the field and when he's not on the field, and it's going to get to the point where they just can't take him out of the game because he's going to be that good for us. The last defensive lineman I was this confident about was Randy Gregory. So everybody on listening here on The Scoop, you better watch out because this guy's going to be back there all day long. Well, let me tell you something, T. So you kind of... Put a little light into how Randy Gregory played a little bit earlier in this podcast when you were talking about Ty Robinson. Randy Gregory would show up for one play. Maybe one play a drive, maybe one play a game. The guy had the talent to be the best guy on the field, and he just didn't show up. Couldn't agree more, and that's why I honestly think the biggest I couldn't impact, disagree more. The biggest I couldn't impact disagree player, more. The biggest impact player that we are going to have in the front seven this year is going to be who is a new starter is going to be Prince Well. It'll also help having our two linebackers returning and both being healthy going into the season. See, All right, that is that is, <laughs> that is completely wrong. Prince Well is not going to come out here and be the best player on our team. First of all, I, when did I say best player on the team? You ain't going to come out here and you're not going to do that as a freshman in the Big Ten coming to a 4-8 and eight squad under a new coach. You're never going to do that. Let me tell you someone who's going to be the best defender on this team. It is called MJ Sherman. Go look at what team just won the national championship last year. It's called Georgia. Guess where this kid's coming from? Georgia. I don't care if he's a backup or if he actually played games for Georgia. Guess where he's coming from? Georgia. That's why I'd be going after all the Alabama guys, all the Georgia guys, and all the five stars that are decommitting from a place, a.k.a. maybe we look at Archie Manning. You know, he could be coming in here pretty soon. I would not have a problem with having too many five stars on the roster. Jay Saul put her there. That's a high five right there, Scoopers, because me and Jay Saul are on the same bandwagon. MJ Sherman is going to go down in the Nebraska history books this year like Trey Palmer did last year, and I fully expect him to be on one of the Big Ten, all Big Ten teams. I'm not going to say it's first 
all Big Ten, but at least second all Big Ten. That's the kind of year this guy's going to have. When he's coming from the outside, kind of in a standing up posture, getting around the offensive lineman, oh my God. You guys are going to be watching MJ Sherman light it up. This guy's going to be flat out bigger than the rest of the Huskers out there. Why? Because he's from the SEC and he went to Georgia. Those guys are beasts. They're faster. And he's going to run around every other team's offensive line. But I do want to turn it back the dial a little bit because B-Cell quick threw something out and then tried to change the subject real quick like like we weren't paying attention. But I was paying attention. And so I'm calling his BS here. Okay, He said that our defensive line was the issue, but thankfully we have these reliable linebackers behind him. Reliable linebackers? We need to have our two linebacker starters back healthy. Neither one of them was healthy all season last year. I'm just saying none of those guys were reliable. The most reliable guy is the guy with the least amount of uh, experience, and that's Isaac Gifford. And he's got he's got the ties to the NFL like his brother. That's just that's a horrible take, Diesel. Isaac Gifford Ooh. is not the best linebacker on the team. He's not even playing linebacker on the team. He's playing that nickel position where he's going to drop back into coverage, take over what JoJo Doman did, and he's going to take over what Chris Korlovic did. Before JoJo Korlevic. Doman was a linebacker. Yeah, what position did uh, Chris Korlovic, what position did JoJo Doman play there, B-Saw? They got shifted back into linebacker Why when there that? were injuries. Oh, because of injuries or because these same guys that are popping up on our depth chart weren't worth the position? How quickly you forget that Nick Henrich is a year removed. Get off of this guy. I don't want to eat the team in tackles. He was out all last season and still was fourth in tackles. That is incredible. He was fourth on a four and eight squad. Wow, give this man a hell of a credit. Playing a quarter of the games. And guess what? He did an absolute mammoth the year before, carrying this team on his back, leading them in tackles on his back. To be in three and nine. What a Scott Frost best years. He carried them to be in the best three and nine team ever in college football. I can't wait to see what he does this year, Biso. Biso, the only guy I'll give you is Luke Reimer because Luke Reimer is going to bulk up this offseason like he has been. And he's got the speed to keep up with wide receivers and run down running backs. That's an important role to have as a linebacker. Nick Henrich. He's not fast enough to keep up with these guys. You can see it. He gets burned all the time when they just do a little crossing route. And that was a big issue last year. But Isaac Gifford, he has the speed to keep up with these guys. I believe Isaac Gifford's going to replace Nick Heinrich completely come this season. Uh, no, that wouldn't even make sense. They're two different types of players. Isaac Gifford's got the speed. Nick Heinrich, he's trying to just plug a hole. Guess what? He doesn't really do it that well. But let me just come back into your here right, right, real quick there, T-Saw. Luke Reimer? <laughs> let me just puke all over that one. That guy hasn't done anything since JoJo Doman was on the field with him. And why? That's because JoJo Doman was actually the one that carried that team. Well, I'm just saying Luke Reimer has potential to get a shot in the NFL. Now, I'm not saying he's going to get drafted, but... I'm talking at the end of the season, he'll get a look as an undrafted free agent, maybe a sixth or seventh round pick, depending on the type of season he puts together. He's got NFL potential. So I expect to see that NFL potential on the field. Nick Heinrich, on the other hand, he has no NFL potential. So he, he's a guy who maybe looks Canada, maybe looks XFL, or maybe looks to be a coach somewhere. And 
ultimately, he might get passed up by Garrett Snodgrass, or they might throw Isaac Gifford in his place and start Tommy Hill at that rover position. I would take three out of our five listed as starters, offensive linemen, to get drafted before this Luke Reimer goes off the board. His buddy Garrett Nelson didn't even get drafted, and you're thinking that Luke Reimer is going to come out here and be drafted off the board or go unsigned free agent? Let me tell you something. He would be nothing more than ever a practice squad hero for an NFL team. Well, Jason, let me ask you something. What's the one thing you can't teach? That speed, and Luke Reimer's got the speed. Garrett Nelson does not have the speed, but he will be good enough to make an NFL practice squad. They are totally two different positions. That's not the point, Jay. So the point is Luke Reimer has the speed for the NFL. Luke Reimer won't even get invited to the NFL Combine. I'm not saying he's going to get an invite to the Combine. I'm saying he's going to get a look after the draft. And depending on the season he has, he could go drafted. You know, if he leads the team in, in tackles or leads the country in tackles, yeah, sure, you'll get drafted. But I'm just saying he'll at least get a look as an undrafted free agent. I can tell you right now, T, so Luke Reimer is not getting drafted if the Huskers went to a 4-8 finish. Well, yeah, then I would argue that, again, we should really not get many guys drafted at all if we go 4-8 and eight again. And ultimately, if we go 4-8, and eight, I'm, looking at, I'm looking at Matt Rule thinking maybe we signed the wrong guy. Absolutely, and that is why, again, it comes down to week two if we made the right hire. Oh my gosh, Jason, let's get off of this train already. I mean, you either brought in Matt Rule, supposedly has done it before, turned around programs, didn't see it in the NFL. You know, the NFL doesn't pan out for everybody. I mean, just go look at Urban Meyer. He didn't really pan out in the NFL either. But let me tell you something. We could have had Mr. Gucci Bags if we wanted him, but we didn't. And guess what? He went into a program in Colorado, a terrible program in Colorado from last year. And he said, see ya, and closed the door on the way out to all the players because you know what? They didn't deserve an opportunity to be started there. But you know what? We bring in Matt Rule. He's trying to develop the players that we already had while bringing in some new experience. Now we will see which one has a better outcome this season. But I think for me, myself, and I, it is going to come down week two at Colorado, how the Huskers do in that game. And Jay, so I agree with you, Colorado, but I'm going to stick with what I said on our last podcast, and that is... The first team you got to fix it against is Illinois because Illinois is the team that you should be able to squash like a bug every single year, every single week. Doesn't matter if you're home, away, if you're playing in Ireland. Illinois should be the team that you smoke year in and year out. So the first team that this needs to be fixed against is Minnesota Week Zero. There is no reason that this Huskers team comes out this year and has anything less than eight wins. I completely agree with you, B. So, I completely and, agree. And that starts week one against Minnesota, week zero, whatever they're calling it. First game of the season. If those boys are not ready to play and we get smoked by Minnesota, it's going to be a long season. 
I'm going to tell you this, B-Salt. If, if we don't get six wins, I'm selling the Matt Rule thing. I don't even want to see three years. I don't even want to see a second year out of him if we don't make a bowl game. I'm not, ready to, I'm not ready to sell him downriver that quick. He's taken over for a depleted, horribly coached, undisciplined squad from Scott Frost. I've said it before, and I've said it a million times. A porcupine could teach this team to win three games. So, so winning four games, to me, is not impressive at all. Amen there, T-Cell. If he doesn't make a bowl game, he should be fired. But let me tell you something. If he doesn't beat Colorado, he should already be fired. Well, J-Cell, if we lose to Colorado but beat everyone else, I can honestly care less about that game. Well, if you lose to Colorado, let me tell you something there, T-Cell. You ain't beating everyone else. Well, I'm just saying if it had played out that way. Because, again, the most important team to beat is Wisconsin. And we all know that. This is the team we can't beat. And if he comes in year one and knocks off Wisconsin, we got good things coming. Well, he's got a very good opportunity to do it. Why? Because Wisconsin has a new coach. And guess what? We have a new coach, and so does Colorado. We got a bunch of teams this year that we're going against with new coaches. And I'll just like to see how it pans out if we made the right decision or not. But here's what I was getting at, okay? If he doesn't win six games, he's fired. If he wins six games, I'm buying in for a second year, but it's going to be very, very, very limited Kool-Aid. I'm talking like... We're being rationed on Kool-Aid at this point. If we win eight wins, I'm drinking Kool-Aid all day long if we got eight wins. I'm drinking I, all I'm day sorry, long. Tiesel, I'm cheersing I'm 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 cheers the neighbor. Hold on. If no. we go undefeated, T-Cell's going to be selling Kool-Aid. That's what's going to happen. What is this drink that you're having that you're selling? Because I'm all in on the Rule-Aid. Well, either way, if we go undefeated or 10-1 and one or 10-2 and two or whatever... I am selling Kool-Aid out my garage. That's right, folks. Selling Roulade, whatever. I am 100% bought in, and I'm buying championship seats for the next year if we go that good. I'm not expecting that, but there's definitely potential because ultimately the Big Ten, specifically the Big Ten West, it ain't that good. And ultimately the Big Ten ain't that good either because they put two teams in the playoffs and they both fell apart in their games. So does Matt Rule have to go on to win a bowl game this year to get another opportunity in your eyes? Even though we already know if he makes a bowl game, he would have another year. Would that set him apart and lock him in for the next four years if Matt Rule goes on to win a bowl game? Now, now hold on, guys. I think we just put this out to the scoopers this week, and we tie it back next week. We see what their answers are. Because I'm curious if everybody is locked in and week two is when it's make or break for Matt Rule, two games into his season, if it's he has to win six year one, which he's never done it anywhere he's coached. Or does everybody think he's locked into at least two full seasons to get us to the promised land? Listen, b I am not out here talking about what the Huskers are going to do. I'm talking about what I'm going to do, who I'm going to be cheering for, who I believe should have what I believe should happen. And that is if Matt Rule does not beat Colorado, he should be out of here. You will be seeing me everywhere with a fire rule shirt on. Okay, so but let's let's roll through the schedule. Here, here are my must-win games, and there's a lot of them, folks. There's a lot of them. At Colorado's a must-win. Home against Northern Illinois is a must-win. Louisiana Tech is a must-win. At home against Northwestern's a must-win. At home against Purdue is a must win, and yes, I do not care that Purdue went to the 
Big Ten championship game last year. We all know it was a joke. And now okay? they have a new coach. That's and another team on our list that has a new coach who we have an opportunity to beat. And guess what? You don't beat the coaches with new, you don't beat the teams with new coaches. You don't deserve a chance. And your at home against Maryland is also a must win. I expect a win at Michigan State because let's be honest, folks. Michigan State is ass, and their their program is headed down the dumps. They they just poured their money out on a completely worthless coach, and ultimately, it's too late to sell their stock. And ultimately, I also expect us to beat Iowa. So there you go. That What did I count? Seven or eight wins? Those are games I expect, but those first six I listed, those are must wins. And if we fall apart in one of those games, T-Cell's not going to be happy. Well, that's quite the hot take there, T-Cell, but I got to tell you something. All of these games, with the exception of Michigan, are extremely winnable games, and I think Michigan's a winnable game. That's at home. They are coming to Memorial Stadium, and we know what happened the last time. We should have beaten them if it wasn't for a Martinez. Adrian Martinez making a mistake at the end of the game. Now, you see, that's why I can't just get this far ahead of myself. I'm going to be doing the same thing next year that I was doing the year before, the year before that, and the year before that one, and so on. Guess what? I am not getting sold yet. I am not sold 100%. Listen, I'm not even bought in week one against Minnesota. But you better believe I am bought in for week two. That's your second game under a new head coach. Guess what? That's their second game under a new head coach. You better be going on the road and take them out at their home field and bring back that energy to play in Lincoln, Nebraska. Guess what? You just beat Mr. Gucci and all his five stars and his son that he is bringing from Jackson State. Guess what? That's not Power 5. You go and you show them what the Big Ten really is. Well, Jason, let's just rip that Band-Aid off because I'm not worried about going to Colorado. They were a bottom five team last year. And let's face it, Dion's bringing in D2 players. Done. Chalk that one up. Win. Well, b with that statement, I believe you should be jumping ship and joining my side. If the Huskers do not beat Colorado, guess what? You are going to be wearing your own hashtag fire rule shirt but for this week thanks for joining us on the sully scoop you're here with jsaw b salt and t saw and don't forget to follow and like and leave a comment to be on next week's grandstand gossip go big red